0: Welcome to F is for Film. Our film today is Jamie, and our guests are Esme Creed-Miles, Mona Falby, and Juliette Lart. And before we begin, I'll have everybody introduce themselves and talk a little bit about what they do, and uh, we'll talk about your individual careers, and then we'll get into this wonderful film. Let's start with you, Esme.
1: Esme Creed-Miles, as you've already said. I guess I've primarily been an actress for the last five years, and I really, really enjoy and have been aspiring to and have been doing bits of writing and directing over the last few years. The last two years have been spent working on
0: Jamie. All right. Ona?
2: Hi, so I'm Ona Folby. I'm one of the producers of Jamie and I don't quite know what to say other than uh, it was quite a journey Making this film, it's been great. I've really enjoyed it.
0: Great, and Juliet. Hi, yeah,
3: I'm Juliet Lart. I'm this. This film meant quite a lot to me because I'm a producer and an EP and run a production company as well. And we, I, Corporate Bird, which is who we produce, co-produce this. And this film meant a lot to me. I've actually known Esme her whole life, so to see her grow. And like be a small part in helping develop some of the insane brain. I mean, Esme's had an insane brain her entire life. You know, she's been one of the most enigmatic and dynamic creative forces, you know, since since I can't remember, always. And so watching her develop and start to write and bring this out of her and fully encouraging this mode of communication and this mode of expression has been really vital. I think it's a, it's vital on so many different levels. It's really important for us to be able to start watching films that cover areas that we haven't previously seen before, you know, it's been so heavily led by the male interpretation of what women feel and how women are perceived and, you know, who they are. And it's rare to find, you know, 360, the construct of a, of, a, of a woman on film is so rarely do you get to see it developed or see sides of it, which people, which is quite common when you see roles given to men, to be honest, or roles given to them, the few roles that are given to them, people who identify as
0: them. No, it's very true.
3: So this was a great experience to see this and I'm so proud so proud and I'm developing something else with Esme as well you know it was a book I gave her for her 18th birthday so we have a feature film as well that we want to develop so that we're in the process of trying to get done to get to the next rung so I'm really excited to see what the future holds
0: I think one the good only good things yeah well Esme you know speaking of what Juliet was saying you know to have your first film be something you wrote directed and star and it's quite it's quite a feat. You were so you were in very, very good hands, but what was that experience like to do so much in one piece?
1: Well I really I mean I really couldn't have done it without Juliet. I mean I wouldn't have done it without Juliet. But do you know what's been frustrating, I think, in the process, and I, I know that perhaps Juliet I know no one like me saying this, but is this whole this whole idea that what I did with Jamie was brave or courageous because it truly was just I think any if not all artists use their own personal experience to create work and I've had a very privileged life and that is kind of the sum I mean if not for perhaps some difficult parents that is kind of the sum of my trouble so comparatively it really isn't it's not the end of the world I think what I wanted to use that experience for was, was how it was emblematic of more of a kind of systematic sexism that seems to permeate the psyche of women as opposed to like, this is my trauma. So when people call it brave, I think it's a really slippery slope because any adjectives like that being associated with eating disorders or suicide, even if it's about someone opening up about them, it kind of can sometimes extend to the disorders themselves being perceived as brave. And I know that when I was in the thick of my depression and eating disorder, I really idolized Suicide and eating disorders. I, I did think they were brave in a kind of fucked up way. So I just want to put that out there. It wasn't brave. It was me going, I'm really sad, and I want people to know that I'm sad and understand that I'm sad. And I'm gonna do that with art because that's all I know how to do.
0: But I think that but I still I do think that I do think, I mean, I'm gonna contradict you because I think there is bravery and the rawness and the openness and willingness to talk to explore these things. Not everybody is able or has the opportunity to, to give voice to things like this. So I do think this is an important thing that you've done. And you, can, you may not call it brave, but I do. And I, and I commend you for it. And I, and I think that there are so many young women and even young men who go through these, these feelings and they don't have a chance to, to speak to this. You know, I also liked something else about the film that was interesting for me was that there were really no men to speak of. And everything here was was generational. There was a girl, her mother, and her grandmother, and that story was contained between these generations. And I loved that about it. Can you talk to me about the choice to to make the story focus that way?
1: So no one's ever said that, and I never even I never even noticed that that you just said that. Uh. That was not an intentional thing. So for you to say that is super interesting, and I can now say that that was intentional. <laughs> 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 but it wasn't. I mean, it was based on on my reality. My mother is. I mean, I won't. I won't over-personalize what I say in in public, but like it it hasn't been an easy relationship and still isn't. And I think part of that is because of the relationship that she had with her mother. I think that trauma is is kind of generational and can seep into, into the relationships you have with your children. And so when my mom lost her mom, I think it set about this whole different dynamic between us that had existed for a long time, but then sort of was really aggravated by her loss and so that was what I was trying to trying to explore with that and I think my grandmother died of lung cancer and I remember I didn't I didn't actually I remember I went up to see her maybe about six months before she passed away not knowing that she was terminally ill And I didn't go and visit her when she was in hospital. And that's something that I still regret. And I didn't actually go and say goodbye. And I didn't confront. I think at the time I was so depressed. I couldn't confront someone, the the mortality of someone that I loved. But then again, it's really necessary in order to not take the moment for granted, which is kind of the whole point of the film. She's suicidal and being suicidal is can be something incredibly intellectually driven. It can come from an existential place where the constant questioning of your surroundings can lead you to just lose purpose. And actually, when you're in your head all the time, that removes you from any kind of visceral experience of your of your world and the people that you love. And so it, it really took, for the protagonist, it really took this interaction with death in a very forward-facing way to, contextualize her life and realize that suicide is not necessarily the answer to her problems i didn't want it to be that she was solved or that she was absolved of her eating disorder that's really not the point but it's about giving life context and death provides that context
0: without a doubt i mean that really came through very powerfully for me i thought that you made a very subtle statement within in that final conversation with the grandmother where you you could see that there's a bit of maturing literally happening before your very eyes where she's understanding something that she might not have even grasped five minutes earlier. Yeah, And that I thought was a gorgeous, mo- very simple, but very profound moment.
2: Thank you so much.
0: Ona, what were some of the challenges of the production?
2: <laughs> um, well, Because I know there's
0: always something.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, there's always a challenge. When-
0: Let's do the gory bits.
2: <laughs> finding a train that would let us film on them, especially with the nature of the story with. We- Train companies do not want to be associated with people.
0: Understandably so.
2: <laughs> okay. so. That was kind of the first focus of Challenge, as well as, you know, raising the money. I think Esme was very clear what she wanted and how she wanted to do things. And considering how young she was, is she was 19, I think, when she was making this film seemed just incredibly together and really good with the crew and everyone. So, I mean, also very comfortable on set because, I guess, even as an actress, a professional actress, she's been on set a lot and knew so many things about the look and how she wanted things. That side of things was really exciting. It wasn't a big challenge Just a challenge doing things with not much money, <laughs> but she yet lent us her house, <laughs> her son's bedroom.
3: <laughs> yeah, it was completely filmed, and my yeah, everything was here. And then actually, it was um through um we were very lucky with the with the body as well. We had John Nolan, who's an insanely brilliant effects guy. He he created you know all the all the all the weather wild things are and. You know, the Spike Jones film. He created all of those things and he was so I'd put in the call to him and then it actually turned out that Esme had actually known him, like through had met him through her father, and he was Hello? Yeah. You had Yeah. Really? Don't
2: remember. yeah. <laughs> and and I, I
3: remember going like... to the
1: studio and, and trying to sweet talk him into giving us a dead body, but I don't remember
3: yeah, and he was, knows your dad. And it was like, oh, and because I had said, Esvo, the only way we're going to get any kind of deal out of this guy is if you go around there and you talk to him and like go <laughs> to his studio. And then it turned out, I mean, he's totally cool. He's completely sound. He's like one of them are crazy. So it was a, you know, once, you know, that could have been a huge, insurmountable kind of you know, thing that would have been very hard for us to have. Paid for properly, you know, like paid for in full. So that kind of, once we had the body, we kind of knew that we could probably, it was almost like now we have to find the train. And Ona did an amazing, I mean, I don't know how many places yeah. we tried that said no. And she really yeah. like, was incredibly tenacious. And also, you have to do things by the book when you've got like soft funding from the BBC, well, funding from the BBC, you can't just like, go on like if we were just doing it on the fly we could have just like stolen it or something but right. when you're doing something that is you've got we also had the sap fund you have to make it official so because i remember going trying oh my god why are you even asking them and she was like but we can't not you have to get permission <laughs> write them a letter you know and it was like yeah it's hard
0: it's, it's it's hard to go through you know official channels with with a renegade spirit doesn't yeah, always work.
3: you just can't do that. And then, you know,
2: well, there've been really bad accidents filming on train lines as well in pretty recent times. There, a crapload of died not not long before we were shooting. And that,
3: yeah. So,
2: I think you know you have to be so careful.
1: Yeah, I don't think you guys told me that because I think that would have freaked me
0: out. Cause I don't remember.
2: That.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I love the fact that all the secrets are coming out now. Yeah. <laughs> You know, but that body was so effective. That body was so effective and shocking that anything less than that would have kind of ruined the film in a way. You had to have that level of production value for that to work. Yeah. So bravo to you all.
3: It twitches. It's like like insane.
0: It freaked me out
3: yeah i don't
1: think it's actually scientifically correct i think that when a body is hit by a train it actually becomes a thousand pieces i don't know i imagine it might <laughs> yeah it does It, well, it, it, it depends. i did have to look at a lot of horrible pictures but why but, uh, well just for research I, I didn't show them to anyone i didn't put them on my fucking mood board <laughs> but i think for dramatic effect i didn't really want to just have bits of arm everywhere you know yeah. wasn't really the vibe
2: no
0: I think you made a wise choice. Yeah. Because we would, we would have been so sort distracted of by all of that, That would have lost the thread here. Yeah. So back to the film, the second scene in the bathroom, how did you prepare to manage to do all that? And was that over multiple takes or was that one take?
1: I think we did about three takes. Three takes. We did three takes of that scene. I had a lot of practice, so I just... <laughs> I just... You know, it was an all-female crew and it was a closed set and I just had, I think just Juliet was in the...
3: Were you in the room, Juliet? Yeah, I didn't... I I didn't want it to go very... I didn't want it to... I kind of didn't want it to go that far, to be honest. And it was really... It was actually upsetting to be there and to see it, to see that performance, because it was so close to... It was, you know... Esme, correct me if I'm wrong, but you were in remission at the time of the filming and I just didn't want this to be the spark, you know. And I, you know, I'm really, I'm also, you know, wary because, like, I want to make sure that we're doing the right thing by you and for you and I didn't want it to be where this was, you know, it's a very fine line of, like, even though Esme's the director, you know, she's... It's still like, is this taking something too far? You know, I'm really, really, you know, I have a kind of like a duty of care because she's, you know, her mum's one of my closest friends as well, you know. So I feel that I didn't want Maid to be becoming even more vulnerable than, you know, than the role was requesting her to be. And even though she wrote it and she, and she, you know, directing it and performing in it. It was quite, it was very brutal. To it was, I still find it, you know, hard to watch. And I don't know if that's because of how much I love her or if that's because of the performance. It's quite hard for me to untangle that because I genuinely, you know, do love her as a human being, as Esme, and then I, you know, I appreciate her work as well. You know, I think she's, you know, very, very talented. And, but I understood with Esme, you're very good at explaining, a, you know, a reason and a why and how, you know, because originally we were going to cast someone to play the role of Jamie. But because Esme wanted it to be so authentic, you know, she wanted that realness and like asking somebody else to do a performance. No one, it's never, I have never seen it on camera once.
1: Never seen that on camera. And I have seen countless movies and documentaries about eating disorders, partly because when you are active in your ED, you love watching that shit because it's like inspiration. And I hadn't seen a film like that, that didn't beautify the disease in some way. I remember there was a Netflix movie called To the Bone that came out a few years ago. And I thought it was one of the most offensive things I've ever seen. I mean, it was like Thinspo. It was like she looks beautiful, she's got all this makeup on and baggy clothes and it's super stylized. And it was just inspiration for hundreds of girls to go out there and be sick. I'm swear to God, it was it was the most fucked up thing. And and I wanted to create a film about an eating disorder where it actually looked like shit. Because th- I mean you do look like shit when you're sick. <laughs> Sorry.
0: <laughs> well, I mean there and listen, that was for me as an observer, it was it was shocking. I was not, I was not ready for it. I had, cause I, I, I like to watch the films with absolutely no preparation. So I just see them with no understanding of what I'm seeing, no plot, nothing. So, you know, the, in the second scene, this is where we go. And I'm like, Oh my God. And it, it's destroy. it destroys you. But it also, you know, as a, what, for what, it, for me, what it put into the work was that it suddenly gave so much depth and so much gravity to every single thing that was happening there every single word that was being uttered, every single word that was being written or communicated meant something to me because of what I saw. And so it gave tremendous value. I applaud you for making it, not glamorizing it one bit because it takes all the sort of chic mystique away and just gives you suffering that's going with that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, anyway, yeah, it was was what it was, Um, yeah. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, thank you for that, because I think that those acts, again, that's why I do go back to the word bravery, because I don't know too many people who would do what you did and let it live on film, And but it's telling a story, an important story. So thank you for that.
1: I think part of the reason that I, I feel so comfortable, am not so comfortable I've become to feel so comfortable with it out there is that just from when it came out, I cannot tell you how many of my girlfriends messaged me like, oh my God, I've been bulimic for years, I've never told anyone. I cannot tell you how many of my friends. And another one of my friends who's really suffered with eating disorders, her dad watched it and he was like, I never understood this until now. I'm so sorry that you've been going through this because he didn't see what was behind doors. That makes me feel, I know that so, so many fucking girls and women have issues with food. It's it's, it's every, like it's just the like, you know, and so I know that when it's out there, I'm not some freak, you know, probably 80 percent of the women watching that film are going, yep, I get that feeling. I know that feeling looking in the mirror, feeling like that. So that's why I don't feel uncomfortable anymore.
0: No, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. I think it's absolutely it absolutely serves the right purpose in this film and, 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 our, and in the culture now. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy that it exists personally. You know, at the end of the day, I mean, what are you hoping that people will take away from the film?
1: I was, I was talking about this in an interview the other day. Someone asked me if they thought it was cathartic. And I've been reading another book that Juliet bought me, actually, which is a Maggie Nelson book. In it, she talks about catharsis and kind of how this whole idea of catharsis is kind of overrated. <laughs> and there's a really interesting thing she says, and I think she quotes Susan Sontag saying, God, I can't remember the exact quote, but it's something like, Seeing, it's about how when you see an image, it may evoke a feeling in you, but responding emotionally to an image is not the same and very rarely equals action. And I think that that's a line in art that is never respected enough and is often exploited. So I'm not naive enough to think that this will have any kind of like social impact about the male gaze, whatever the fuck. Because I think at the end of the day, I'm very cynical. People watch it. They go, oh, well, that's really sad. And they go and get on with their lives. But I do know that a lot of my girlfriends messaged me about it. And it made them feel a little bit better about their day. Because they didn't feel alone. They didn't feel they, like they were the only fucked up people. And I think that's really, I mean, I respond to things like that out there. So I just hope that it can reach enough girls that maybe it makes them feel like that for a few hours before they go back and back to their bullshit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I would say if you accomplish that you've already accomplished a great deal. But I have higher hopes for the film than than that. I think that many people are going to respond very well to this and the message that you have here. And the re-human, rehumanization of these women who are who are so misunderstood in a way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I also want to shout out to Louise who played the mom because she was so great. Oh, she was great. She was just such a she was so brilliant on the set and I really loved her as that mum character. It was amazing.
0: She was lovely, and she covered a lot of great territory in a short sequence. Yeah, she
1: did. I remember <laughs> in the edit just laughing my ass off at some of her takes because they were so cutting. She just nailed it. She really nailed it.
0: You know, I mean it reminded me of my teenage years with my dad and, and there's so much going on. Of course you love each other, but there's simmering rage and irritation yeah. and why aren't you doing yeah. this in a fucking way? Why are you even talking to me? So much was yeah. going on in that sequence. It was it was brilliant. She really did do a great job.
1: But I mean, that's like the challenge of short film is like mm. how the do you create a story in twelve minutes and be able to give enough backstory to each of the characters that you actually Care about them. And actually, I remember having a conversation with, I can't remember who it was, but I was like, I should put a kid in my short film because, and that's why I feel like so many short films have kids in them because when you see a kid on screen, it's like instant empathy, instant connection. You're know, like, you immediately care about kids. Right. So next time I make a short, if I make a short, I hope, you know, I hope I'm making features, <laughs> but I'm going to put a kid in it.
0: I, I'm going to predict a full feature for you next.
2: Now, I was just going to say, nowadays, it's even harder, I think, with shorts than it used to be because. It's a challenge in 10 to 12 minutes to get something that's really worth saying and showing through in that kind of way. But at the same time, you know, if you don't hook people within the first minute, the programmers probably aren't going to get through to the third minute of your film. So it's, I think it's really, really tough now making sure and making sure they get into festivals, making sure they get, you know, to be seen.
0: You're right. I mean, it's easier to make films now, thus the the creative bar is higher. and the, and the, and you've got this sort of as you're saying, this crazy set of parameters that need a you know a full arc that's satisfying on whatever the premise is, whether it's dramatic or comedic in a short time. And the economy of communicating something with every beat. it's not a small thing. It's a really it's actually super challenging, far far more than I think people realize.
1: I think short films, in a way, are harder than features. I agree. To so make a really good short. And, like, I remember the best short I've ever seen is Lynn Ramsey's. I don't know if any of you guys have seen it. About the two kids who, his this dad, you don't realize what's going on. And it actually took me a minute after watching the film to realize what it was about. But a dad is basically taking his two daughters from his two different families to hang out on Christmas. And neither of the two daughters know that they're sisters. And one gets really jealous of the other one because she sees her being very fatherly, uh, like daughterly towards the father. And it's so great the way that she plays with these kids interacting with each other. And it tells so much about family and a in just like 10 minutes. And it's beautiful. I recommend it, if any of you have seen it. I think it's on YouTube.
0: I'll take a look. Well, you know, I, I know you don't have much time, so I'm going to say, and let, we can, if there's, if there's anything, any parting words you'd like to impart, let let me know. Please say them now.
1: Me and Judy have a fantastic film that we're writing. Please give us some money.
0: (laughs) That's a perfect note. That's a perfect note to end on. Is everybody listening? Send them money.
1: We've got a GoFundMe page, PayPal, anything will do. Excellent. (laughs) Amazing. I'll put my card details in the description box (laughs) below. Send us some cash
0: yeah it has been an absolute pleasure i've enjoyed this conversation very much and appreciate you all staying up so late to have this have this time with me
1: thank you, thank you so much thank you so
0: much thanks guys